LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to Ask Me Anything with Pastor J.D. Greer. Honest questions, quick answers. I'm your host, Todd Unzicker, and this is where J.D. Greer says, Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything, Honest Questions, Quick Answers. I'm your host, Todd Unzicker, and this is Ask Me Anything, where Pastor J.D. Greer gives quick answers to some of your toughest theological, ethical, and leadership questions. J.D., I'm going to focus on toughest. This is a tough uh, ethical question. Um, You know, I'm going to just tell you, this is one that is um, uncomfortable for folks like you and I, Hmm. uh, folks who are in the majority culture, folks who are white, Caucasians. Uh, This is one that... um, I think a lot of people enter skepticism too, um, and even when people know that it's real, uh, they don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to ask, as you said, ask me anything. So and this so the- is you giving people a cue to pull over on the side of the road, kind of like so they don't just so they can concentrate and not feel awkward. Absolutely. Okay. Um, absolutely. And Let's here's the it. question: Is white privilege real? No, I can see why you're saying that's such a difficult question. Um, yeah, you know, let's just first acknowledge you and I are both white. And yep. uh, so, you know, as we approach this question, we're doing it from that perspective. Um, I'll say that this is one that I've struggled with, and it's been helpful as I've struggled. I've struggled with brothers and sisters of color who've helped me see that the way that I approach this question may not be exactly the same as the way that um, a way they approach it, that for many of them, they've had a different experience growing up in the United States than, um, than I have. Um, we, you know, by God's grace, we have access to the same laws and and officially the same rights, you know, and, and we're grateful for the things that that have changed in our history to lead to that. But still, there's this kind of invisible, you know, invisible set of assets you know, that that I get from being a part of the majority culture. Right. Yeah. So that and that's kind of maybe a good place to start is that um, the place that I've learned the most about privilege from is from an African American brother named George Yancey, hmm. and he said who privilege, came and spoke at the summit church. That's right, and we had a lot of conversation. He said, you know, privilege is not an exclusively racial thing. It technically it was actually developed by the concept was coined by a woman in the in the 1980s who was talking about a male privilege in academics, and she meant that when you attach a male name to a scholarly article, people took it a little more seriously than if it had a female name. And she said, if you're a female, you've got to convince everybody that you know what you're talking about. Whereas if you had this other name, you could, you know, just, just people. So in academia, males had more privilege right. than females. So then that term got then applied to the racial context. Mm-hmm. Was there certain um, unearned assets that you had for being a part of, you know, the white race that you you may not have had if you were a person of color? And, you know, um, Yancey said, he said, he said, so, so first of all, let's, let's just take it out of the race conversation for a minute. And he said, you know, think about all the different places that you experience privilege. Um, you could have privilege from being good looking, good looking people probably. I don't have that one. (laughs) That's why I used that one. Cause I knew that it was just, you know, you would understand that. I have a face for a podcast. That's perfect. That's right. So, but you know, that, that, that you can probably get people to do you favors at restaurants quicker. You know, if you, if you have a good smile and, um, Dr. Yancey, uh, again, who's a, you know, a brother of color, he says, that's a, that's a type of privilege. He says, so is there privilege that you get from being white in this culture? And he said, you know, there are several things that range from the innocent to the really harmful of, of places you can probably demonstrate that you know, that exists. And he, he uses a, a handful of examples. I mean, one is, um, you know, when I get pulled over by the police, mm-hmm. I've never one time in my life, and I've been pulled over a number of times for traffic incidents, I've never one time questioned whether or not it was because of my race. 
every person of color I know has some story that goes back to this happening where it has appeared that right. there was a, a line of questioning that was being given to them because they were a certain race. Um, there is, uh, you know, a clerk following you in the store because they assume you're, you know, maybe you're going to, to steal something. I've, you know, several of our friends here just yeah. talk about that, you know, still happening with them. Um, it, one of our pastors, Chris Green, an African-American pastor, he talks about, you know, turning in a housing application in an apartment complex um, where, uh, you know, he was immediately told, oh, sorry, we don't accept subsidized housing, you know, from the government here. And they just assumed that he was subsidized housing because of, of this. And so, um, you know, you, you would see it in, in places like that. Where it gets really harmful is when, um, well, let's, let, let's, let's take it up a little bit. Um, well, before you get where it's harmful, you, you kind of said something. I think you went past pretty quick there, kind of defining it, saying that it is a kind of an invisible package of unearned assets mm-hmm. that the majority culture, whites in our case, could count on cashing every day. That's right. That and there's a biblical precedent that? for it. I mean, just so you know, we can see okay. it in the Bible, um, yeah. Acts 6. There is, uh, you know, the problem in the early church was a certain culture Jews, the Hellenistic Jews were being overlooked in the distribution of food to the widows, and there was a privilege being given to the Hebraic Jews because more of the people in the church were, were like them. Mm-hmm. And so they had to confront that and say, hey, this is not right. We need to, all people need to have equal access, you know, everywhere. And so you, you just see that there is, the concept exists, and it's, it's, it's part of our sinful nature, and it's one that we've got to confront. All right, let's go back to, to, to the examples of it. Um, you know, there's there's some pretty good statistics that show that if you're a supervisor and you're looking through job applications, mm-hmm. there are certain jobs where you may give a closer look to somebody who has a white-sounding name than a African-American-sounding name, uh, or, you know, so, uh, from some other, um, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, nationality. Uh, nationality. Yeah, and so, um, you know, or I, I read a thing one time, and, and again, it just... It starts innocently enough. It was they interviewed a group of people who were going to move into a who wanted to move into a multiracial neighborhood. So these are people who who value multiculturalism, and it showed that um, the study showed that after they got into that neighborhood, they still gravitated toward people that were of their race, their skin color. All right. So what does that mean when it comes to hiring? If I just naturally kind of am drawn in the networks to people that look like me, I, there might be some privilege that exists in hiring for. For somebody that's white, where it gets really difficult is when you get into the justice system, because when it comes to a policeman deciding whether or not he needs to use force, when it comes to a judge deciding how long the sentence should be or if the person should get probation, well, you certainly don't want race to be a factor in that. And, you know, there's some evidence that seems to indicate that, especially when it comes to something like the death penalty, that um, being a person of color increases the likelihood that the death penalty is hmm. is given in a case and that's that shouldn't be and that shouldn't even be a question right and so you, you, you know if you're when you're experiencing privilege like this you privileges dr yancey says are like rights you don't want um you don't want to take rights away from one and give them to somebody else but you want the rights that one experiences hmm. to be experienced by all and so um those of us that experience a certain privilege of whatever kind yeah we want to see people of uh, of a different race, of you know, from different backgrounds, we want to see them have access to the same opportunities, the same privileges that we have, and that's you know part of. It, there's a burden of being a person of privilege, of whatever kind of privilege it is, and that is to see others to leverage it so that others can experience what you experience. That's good. That's they're they're like rights. We're not taking them from one group and giving it to another, um, but we want to extend them to all. So for Christians, how does that play out for us? Yeah, what are we to do with yeah, that? Yeah, well, okay, so the question of what of whether it exists and what to do with it, those are two different questions. And I think that I, I'm actually glad you asked, asked it like that because 
you can acknowledge that it exists and then still, you know, all right, so so what do we do now? As a Christian, I know that I'm responsible to to bear the burdens of others around me, and I want to see privilege extended to them. And so if I've been given any privilege in whatever situation, I'm going to leverage that, not for self, but leverage it to, to lift others up. And that's kind of the Christian answer to it. Politicians are divided um, as to whether or not the fact that some of white privilege um, is due to injustices in the past you know whether it, you know slavery or mm-hmm. forced uh, you know housing Jim you know kind of oh, those kind of things yep. that 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 has set back our black brothers and sisters several years and their advancements and because of that we the white community owes something to them and they'll say well okay so when it comes to affirmative action when it comes to certain things we just need to we need to recognize that and rectify that there are others who will say no um, yeah, you know, the government's role is it can't prosper people. It can just level the playing field. This is a new generation, and we're not um, guilty and can't be held responsible for what previous generations did. So what the government can do is create opportunity and cre- or create openness and access to opportunity. And it's, um, you know, right now in order to really succeed that, that um, uh, in the case of the African-Americans, that um, they'll need to take that opportunity, and, and they're the only ones who can prosper themselves. I heard Will Smith explain this. The, of fresh, all people, the fresh Prince guy. I heard him explain this really well. He said, you know, he said, there's a difference in something being your fault and being your responsibility. Um, he was using it, and he was talking about somebody who had a really bad father. And he said, you know, if your father was cruel to you or absent or even abusive, he said, that wasn't your fault. You're not to blame for that. But even though it wasn't your fault, it's still your responsibility to 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 take yourself forward now. And so while it's not your fault, you're the only one that can make yourself progress. And he said, so it's not your fault, but it's still you got to own that responsibility. Um, I've heard, I saw something the other day where a guy was showing that that if you follow the acrostic DESK, D-E-S-K, no matter what race or what community you're from, what heritage, if you in our country will follow D-E-S-K, diploma, employment, spouse, kids, there's like a 99% chance you won't end up in poverty. And he said, so, you know, we can talk about how to level the playing field and all these sort of things. He said, but really, um, that's something that every person can do. And if they'll do that, they'll, they'll become a person of privilege. And he said, the more the government tries to get in and redistribute things, the, the, the worse it becomes. The more, you know, you talk about reparations, it's not actually going to fix anything but opportunity. We've got to let people, we've got we to gotta open the door so that people can do that. Um, others will respond to that by saying, yeah, but 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 the, the the playing field is so unequal that it's not fair to tell everybody just to try to walk through the doors of opportunity. I, and there was this viral YouTube video that was going around for a while where it had all these these um, teenagers lined up for a race, and they were just going to race to the end of the uh, of the football field. But then um, the coach says you know, he lets certain people get 10, 20, and thirty yards ahead, and then just you know blows the whistle, says go. And of course, the people that were so far ahead, you know, got there a, a lot farther. And he's like, this is what is what the race of life often feels like. Certain people start out with certain educational and financial and, and um, you know, uh, assumptions about, about how good of a worker they'll be. They'll start out with all these privileges and, and the family dynamics. And he says, so these other people that start so far behind, they're never going to catch up without some kind of, with some, you know, kind of, of rectitude. I was watching this really stirring interview one time with Martin Luther King Jr. where he says, you can't cut a man's legs out from under him and then tell him to pull himself up by his bootstraps. That's, that, that that's not fair. That's a question that that politicians will argue about and agree on, and what the role is, yep. and whether any kind of redistribution and affirmative action is helpful or not. That that's really beyond the scope of what I, as a pastor, would want to get into. We're not called or competent to do that. I am neither called nor competent. That I think it's a great discussion that Christians should have. But what I can say 
what I can say is, as a pastor, I can say to all Christians, whatever privilege you have, it is your responsibility to leverage it to help others who are not as privileged, Mm -hmm. and that the dividing line in this issue is not between liberal or conservative strategies to empower people. The dividing line is between people who who care about others and them experiencing the same privileges we experience and those who don't. And as a Christian, whether you adopt more of a progressive or a conservative approach, you can care about this issue and want to see all people in our culture um, treated with dignity and experience the same privileges that that any of us can. The scripture says, bear one another's burdens, you know, uh, bear with each other um, and thinking other more highly than ourselves. Uh, that's what scripture calls us to do. And Jenny, I like what you said in the very beginning is, um, you started this conversation by asking colleagues, other pastors on staff with you, who are people of color, mm-hmm. what their experience was uh, in this. These things are only really learned about in relationship. And so it's more than just podcasts and articles. You need to have multi, you need to have friends that are not like you because they'll help you see things that are from a different angle than you, you're used yeah. to. And if we want to have multicultural lives, um, we want to make sure that we are not taking rights from one people and giving to another. We want to extend those to all and we want to bear. Uh, with each other, burdens that we have. And um, that is today's episode of Is White Privilege Real? here on Ask Me Anything with Pastor JD, part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Also on the network is the New Church's Q&A podcast. Um, Have you listened to that yet? It is co-hosted by Daniel M., Todd Adkins, and Ed Stetzer. Um, And these guys recently talked about how to handle multi-level marketing in your church. Mm. Um, I won't name the companies, um, but um, they begin with essential and end with some type of other substance. Hey, uh, we listen. should probably point out that the views expressed by the host on this program are only those of the host and not necessarily of the Ask Me Anything team. I, I didn't name anybody in particular. I know what you're saying, company. so I just want the, I want the Ask Me Anything questions on that to come to you and not to me. Yeah, my email is pastor at summitrdu.com. So uh, listen, if you're a type A personality and you are interested in uh, succeeding in church planning, if you're interested in multi-site church plants, uh, anything with the new church's Q&A, you want to make that uh, one of your new uh, podcasts that you'll listen to, go to your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. I'm your host, Todd Unzicker. This is Ask Me Anything, honest questions, quick answers. We look forward to you joining us next time on the podcast.